I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter, and it's a it's it's a, it's a page on Instagram called Hip Hop Numbers, and I guess I they, know that page. They break down what the fuck is that hip hop by the numbers, like sales. No, just like, all the numbers, like the word, like the, oh. the songs. Oh, uh, meaning what? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. So I'll they say. That, how, I was gonna say, how long is this? Podcast. Oh, it goes a long I'm time. Rich. It goes a long time. <laughs> oh, bro, I've got a whole timestamp dedicated to. I am director of the fifth film. I highlight the fifth film: hip hop, which is knowledge. Darker, harder, faster. Rascal, I kick that illy shit. It's like Shakespeare, with an Akali twist. It's English. I don't know. I don't know how to start this episode because Charlie came in hot this morning. <laughs> some, he ruined my, my my teenage years by ruining Tequila for me, and I don't know what to say. I can't believe we're starting in a Carla episode, thinking about Tequila Tequila. <laughs> Look, I think it will be funnier if everyone out there just goes and Googles it. I think (coughs) it's not funny. It's not funny. It's sad and it's really awful, but I can't believe. Oh, gosh. Jesus Christ. Hi, Ben. How's your week, Ben? What have you listened to this week? (laughs) Well, um. So I listened to uh, Can the Man's What's My Name. Uh, I've been waiting for this record for months because everything she's dropped recently has been absolutely stacked with high confidence and top-tier punchlines. She starts off uh, WTF with, (laughs) we ain't in France, so what's a we? And then she communicates that her preferred mode of operating is solo and that she will take your man, but he is not rich enough, so she won't take your man. And that's like the whole, there's just these wild punchlines on here. And, ah, oh man, she skates on everything. She skates on everything on here. Her flow is, you know, it's, it's pretty unchanged throughout the record, but it's her vocal tones and her bars that draw you in. Like, she spits random punchlines like... Much as they're watching me, I could open up a blockbuster. Or on Perfect, she raps, Fake page after fake page, I should pay y'all. You hoes got too much time, need a day job. I should hire some of you bitches just to lay off. Like, lay off, lay off me with a fake page, but also lay off you. Like, bro, come on now. She's on another level right now. She's Ken the Man. I'm loving Ken the Man. Um... I just, I really like this project, man. I really like it. I think she's really adept at inhabiting uh, an imperious position and then delivering what it's like to be in that position. And uh, she will absolutely keep you engaged for the entire project. It's straight up heavy production in the same vein as like Key Glock and Young Dolph, what they've been rapping over lately, and just wild confidence injected into every bar. So I was waiting for that record and, and it did not disappoint at all. Uh, I got into Punk by Young Thug. 
I don't want to alarm anyone out there, but before so much fun, Young Thug was a very experimental artist who did not seem to care about huge singles and huge album sales and was critically acclaimed by basically the entire industry. Young Thug was never the 300,000 a week or first week artist. He was never the artist with the diamond singles. You could argue so much fun changed everything, but I think Havana did. When that song went number one, it was Young Thug's first ever top 15 on the Hot 100 as a lead or a guest. That was in 2017, right? And he'd been releasing music since 2011. So the commercial door opened to him and then we got so much fun, which cracked 100K first week. And I'm fully aware that he never dropped a studio album prior to that. But you've got to ask yourself why an artist who dropped his first project in 2011 waited eight years and 21 projects before releasing his debut studio album. It never would have made sense to drop his debut album because Young Thug was waiting for that commercial cut through to do that. And he finally did it. And so much fun was way more aligned with the mainstream sound than like Beautiful Thugger Girls or Barter Six. It was absolutely stacked with insane beats. But punk is way more aligned with Beautiful Thugger Girls. And I think anyone confused about this needs to go to listen uh, We Ball by Meek Mill and Young Thug. Because Thug's verse is really haunting. It's dark. It's emotional. It's vulnerable. There's insecurity in it. And Young Thug's uniqueness has never just been in his wild cadences and vocal tones. It's been in his deep affecting content. On the opener, Die Slow, he starts with a really mournful guitar beat by Charlie Handsome, over which he he absolutely emotes. He, he starts, his very first verse is, Told the lawyer that my brother ain't going back to prison. I don't give a fuck if I gotta turn him Jehovah Witness. I'm just seeking for God's soul because I know something's missing. Uh, came out of struggle. I really had lost a brother. Got to fighting with the deputy sheriff. I almost lost my mother. As soon as I heard that, I knew we were in for something special. And we really are because I think punk is his best project. Everything he brings on this project is, it's almost like he's, everything he's learned since Beautiful Thugger Girls, he brings to punk. And it's not necessarily a big overt shift. It's nuanced. It's, it's the ability he shows to turn each of these beats into works of art without overextending himself. Because in the past, I feel like Young Thug would fall over himself to prove how experimental and technically gifted he was by just really going off on beats, like changing his flow every you know 10 seconds, switching from like a super low vocal tone into an incredibly high one. He would just kind of go all over the place. But I think on Punk, it's way more laid back. And I think that shows his confidence in his ability to enthrall you without making your head explode, both content-wise and ability-wise. And, you know, that was something he didn't even try on the London. You know, on on the London, which you could argue is his biggest song other than Havana, he's just going off on that. But, like, for example, on Peeping Out the Window, he fades into the background and he allows Future and B-Slime to really bring it home. On Bubbly, he sits back and lets Drake do that. Uh, I think there are very few artists who could possibly sound comfortable next to other artists such as, you know, Travis, Doja, Gunner, Rocky, Post Malone, Juice World, uh, J. Cole, Mac Miller, like every single song here, Young Thug just sounds completely at ease. And I don't think there is anyone in the industry he would not sound at ease next to. And I don't think there are many artists that are, are capable of that range. And I, you know, he's projected to do 95K this week, and a lot of people were surprised by that. But I can't, you, you must have come in at so much fun because I remember beautiful Thugger Girls doing 37K and thinking, like, what the fuck? 
you know, I remember I bought a six. I didn't really like bought a six that much, to be honest. But I remember all those times he didn't do anything uh, first week, but the music was incredible. So, you know, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a commercial smash artist, but Punk is a great, really great project. Uh, I really enjoy it. And I, you know what I appreciate too, sorry to go on about this, but so much fun was an example of like modern trap albums where it's just like banger after banger after banger after banger and they're designed to pop up on playlists everywhere. Punk feels like he made a conceptual record, an album, like an album experience and there's not a lot of motivation and incentive to do that in 2021. So I really respect that. So shout out to Young Thug for that. Uh, so that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Well, guys, that was your uh, Young Thug retrospective right there. That was good, Ben. That was nice. Quick Six mini minutes. One. Six Quick mini minutes. Come on. <laughs> okay, uh, so I got into six projects this week. A nice healthy number. Uh, got into that DJ Newmark, Run For Cover. Um, I, I did not expect this like what what what's going on here like it's just it's put simply dj newmark basically recreates popular tracks that we've heard of right you know pasta Cavossier, ain't no fun it's bigger than hip-hop break your neck uh hot in her yeah, Nelly hot in her and you know everybody everybody all those right and and more um, but it just comes through in like just such a unique way, like all of them. Like you, you I, I, I nearly didn't clock what was going on until like until Groove is in the heart. I was like, oh, these are tracks that have been done before. But he's just like totally just fucking flipping them all. Like this, they're, they're so crazy. Like the best, the best example is Hot in Her. I have to, I have to say it, it has H E R E. You know, I have to say her. Um. I'm legally obligated. Uh, and yeah, so, you know, it comes through and it's basically just like horns for the, you know, for what the lyrics would be. So it's all like, um, it's all just instrumental, right? It's all instrumentation. There's no uh, uh, lyrical people come through. Apart from like, you know, break your neck, someone saying break your neck, uh, Danny Driver on that one. Um, but yeah, mainly it's the point of it is just the instrumental side of it. And yeah, it just comes through, you know it's hot in her, but it's just, it's so different. It's such a fresh take. And he does that with all of them, and it's just so fascinating. I didn't expect this kind of, uh, this coming from DJ Newmark, because I just see him as like, you know, the guy that uh, just does really boss mixes. Um, every every time I see him on, on social media, it's just like, you know, picking out some good shit. Um, but... Yeah, man, it's this is just outstanding. I really, I really thoroughly enjoy this. It's, every track is just has this different flavor to it, um, but it's always extravagant. It's always bold, colorful, just bunch of flavors. It's just, um, it's it's absolutely outstanding to to listen to. So shout out to DJ Newmark on that one. Um, and there's a couple of instrumentals and acapellas if you guys want that as well. Um, Nico Brim before the throne. So I kind of got into this because, uh, you know, Rhapsody's on here and Ruben Vincent was on here and they they were gassing him up. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a spin. Um, believe it or not, I think the bankrolls with Rhapsody's the worst, my least favorite track out of the out of the six. Um, and that's saying something, right? It's uh, it's it's fine. It, it, it's it's okay. Uh, I just prefer everything else. It's just it's you know it, it happens sometimes. Um, King of Diamonds with Damani Harris is a uh, very 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 nice. Um, risk and results with Great Dame and Ruben Vincent. Uh, I feel like Nico kind of gets overshadowed on that track. I feel like uh, Ruben really does his thing on that one. 
Um, but, you know, it kind of gets into more Nico territory of uh, No Liars, Girls in East, and Sun Showers at the end. Um, where, you know, it's basically, you know, just um, just, just, just relationship talk, you know what I mean? And, you know, talking about talking about this girl he's with or something like that you know just that kind that kind of stuff but um, you know it, it, it comes it comes and goes very nicely it's a very smooth uh, little ep right here uh can't can't complain solid listen uh k young uh this here feels good ep um i love me some k young uh i've been a fan of k young for a minute uh i love the uh, uh the ep she had uh i think last year if i remember correctly if, 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 if it was last year uh may, may have been a yeah last year middle matters yeah yeah, yeah. love middle matters um, that was amazing, and actually from 2019, I love that as well. Um, but this is this is so this is a this is kind of like a mark of something different for K Young here, um, where actually was very 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 uh, just like a, you know she, it's clear she come she's like a child of like the new Jarbe's uh, kind of um, element of you know just that. Um, you know, I've got a mic, I've got, a, I've got a mixer in front of me. I'm, I'm, I'm making the beats live, and I'm gonna say some spoken words. You know, what I mean, stuff like that. Um, and it, you, you won't get a better example than that than on Middle Matters. They're just, just full of those, like just lo-fi, chill, uh, thick, thick bassy beats, uh, but nice and slow as well. And she, you know, she just drops some, you know, just some wisdom on here. But she also drops wisdom on here as well. Um. You know, some great, there's some great content on here. It's five tracks, 21 minutes. Um, only features on here is uh, I got, I've got you with uh, Junior Williams or J and R Williams. Uh, that's probably the best track out of the five. Uh, if you want one track to peep, but um, I suggest peep the whole thing because it's really nice. It's uh, she, evo- she's evolved here, um, especially as a producer, um, coming through with some like on suddenly where it's it's kind of like you know kind of dancey. You know what I mean? It gets, it gets you moving a bit. I've got you as well. Gets you moving a bit. I'm here for that. You know what I mean? Um, so she she's kind of come out of her shell here, production-wise. <clears throat> she's clearly evolving as a producer, and um, I'm ho- I'm all here for that. I'm I'm really here for that. As somebody that uh, has been going through, uh, you know, dropping dropping solid work in the past couple of years, um, with great uh, spoken word, just realness, and uh, you know, very down-to-earth lyrics. Uh, she, you know, she's she's branching out a bit, and uh, I'm really here for that. So shout out to Miss K Young on that front. Um, very very high quality record. Uh, might make the EP list again, as uh, Middle Matters I think did last year. Uh, Joy Crooks Skin. So uh, I forgot who on ISOS out the ISOS guys guessed Joy Crooks up. It may have been Soma. Shout out to Soma if it, if it was her. Um, but yeah, someone sh- someone shouted out uh, Joy Crooks a couple of months ago. Um, this album came out in the uh, oh wait, it came out in October. Huh? It came out this week. Oh right. Okay. That's weird because I've I've been hearing about it for for months. That's 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 throwing me off. Okay. I literally thought this dropped like a few months ago because someone was gassing her up and I was just like, oh right, cool. Uh, so I saw I I saw um I shazammed uh, her track "Feet Don't Fail Me Now" and I was like, oh, this, this bangs. I like this. Um, and I realised it was Joy Crooks. So I was like, oh, I've heard of her. Um, so I gave it a spin. And um, yeah, it's amazing. It's it's a uh, staying tracks just under forty five minutes. It's a really solid album. Um, it remi- it's it's esque of like a, a Cleo Soul, um, in that air in that arena where she has these nice nice floaty vocals, nice just wonderful vocals. I just love her vocals here, uh, throughout. Um, she you know she and and the production kind of, you know, dips between certain things here and there. Like you you gain, you hit you listen to one track and there's like a particular type of drum here that reminds you of something else. 
right um uh, 15th for uh, 19th floor is very fascinating as a track um but yeah it's um if it don't fail me now it's like really this uh I don't know, like, a, it's got this orchestral element to it that I really like. There's a lot of strings in here for the chorus. It's very uh, 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 momentous. Um, but, yeah, she, she she just goes off on this whole record. I, I, can't, um, I, ca- I can't have the... I don't, I don't think I'm saying enough how, how decent it is, uh, a record. It, it just goes by, like, a dream. Um, she just she just carries you throughout like if you just allow that it's it's wonderful so um yeah and it's clear she has a lot of uh inspirations uh but it comes through under a package of just some really high quality uk soul um so shout out to joy crooks on that front <clears throat> uh jay montel no borders um they come through here a nice uh, little five piece i think it's a debut ep um so this is another case actually where they come through with uh you know very melodic um it kind of they kind of remind me of like a like early chris brown like um just in terms of like how they go about it like vocally and uh, melodically um but past that is uniquely them um the production is again kind of like a mishmash of th- of things um my favorite track's probably little um yes the sh- supermarket little um, just as in track and you understand it uh, but yeah it, 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 even with that like they well even with the whole EP they just have they have a certain thing going on but they also have like you know maybe like a maybe like a drill beat here and there like here um, but it's over something else you know what I mean it's not like prevalent but it's there so they kind of mix and match they, t- they kind of take pieces from like you know Afrobeat and then rap and then grime and well not grime but they're, uh, they've been in drill as well and they just like you know throw it into like a pot and uh, it all comes out pretty decently actually as guys to listen so uh, shout out to them on that front and uh, lastly I think it's lastly yeah lastly uh, Nolan the Ninja P.S. Um, so yeah I've been listening to Nolan for a couple of years um, I remember listening to him on a Book Brown record and I was like oh this guy's cool um, this one's kind of esoteric I think uh, it's, it, it really it it goes it goes a lot of places um some of it comes across as like like demos but not like in a bad way but just like you know demos just like really stripped back um some of them comes off as like a just out and out and out give me a beat I'm a freestyle over it kind of thing um but then there's one but then there's a couple of tracks where he's kind of playing with uh timing and you know when to actually speak. Like I forgot what track it was. It's early in the album, uh, but yeah, he kind of is. This one, this is one song where like the beat's going and he's not saying anything, <laughs> and then he kind of drops like three bars here and there, and then he's just gone again for like five seconds, and then he just comes back again. It's really weird. Yeah, it's really it's it's really experimental on that front. He experiments with a lot of things. Um, it's 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 interesting. It's worth a listen just for the just for the um. Uh, just for the, uh, I guess, uh, out there nature of it, like you don't, you're not gonna listen to something like this every day. Um, so that's kind of, uh, you know, worth the price of admission for me. Um, but you know, you got a homeboy Sandman on one feature and um, Book Brown aforementioned on format, um, which is kind of like a bonus track uh, at the end. So uh, yeah, shout out to Nolan Ninja on that front for a very interesting record. And when that's it, we hop into our uh, third. UK Black History Month retrospective, which is on my gay uh, Akala. Okay, so 
this is Akala's one of those people where um the music for me is honestly secondary. Like 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 this guy is so fucking fascinating past even just even past the music. Like I listen I I listen to music right you know, I'm here for I'm here for most of his music. Like, is is as we'll get to that. Obviously, that's why we're here. But just past that, guys, you need to understand how how unique a character Akala is, just as a um, just as a uh, as a person of relative note, right? So this guy has you know delivered TED talks, right? Um, I think his TED talk was like uh, let me see if I could find it right quick. It was a uh, um, just just the title of it, but. Uh, he, he was. Uh, it was about Shakespeare. It was about hip hop and Shakespeare, and um, he basically has a uh, thing. I, th- I think it's him that he has a, the hip hop. Yeah, the hip hop Shakespeare company, um, and they d- and they do fascinating stuff. Basically, what he does in the TED talk, where he goes about, uh, you know, kind of drawing parallels between Shakespeare and hip hop, and it's so fascinating. Go give it a spin. It's like twenty minutes. Just, just get into that. It's, it's absolutely crazy. But on top of that, he has a, a, a basically a whole lesson of like African history. On, um, yeah, he says uh, Shakespeare was the first hip hop. Oh wait, that's someone else. Okay, someone else has a uh, the same thing. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, uh, the ev- em- oh, here's another one. The evolution of the MC. Akala did that. That's seventeen minutes, uh, and he goes like way back way back in terms of like rapping you think you think rapping MCing was like you know 80s no 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 go back go way back just watch that one that's important but he also has like a talk like oxford brooks i think is um he delivers like a whole thing on african history and that shit is just f- fucking mind-blowing to think about uh that's crazy but he's also done a book recently he's done two books recently one of which i have here uh called natives um let me see if i can get it right yeah so um hardback here natives uh race and class in the ruins of empire and basically it's him uh uh talking about kind of like his childhood but also mixed in with you know just really on point historical factuals and research um and it's just and he basically just debunks a lot of shit um you know societally uh, from his lens, purely from his lens, and it's so fascinating. And he's also done, uh, dropped a, 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 a just a straight up fic- fictional novel, um, based in I guess Shakespearean times as well. Um, it's kind of like a fantasy thing. Um, if a Carlos listening, by the way, get on that audiobook, please. I'll be uh, I'll be on that. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, waiting on that audiobook. Um, but yeah, the dude is so fascinating, and I've not even talked about the music. Like the dude is one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever seen um i've been to his shows twice one when he was uh, guessing his uh 10 years of akala and another one for something else uh, but he was there uh just doing a show doing a show in southampton and uh yeah man it's just <laughs> the knowledge drew- oozes off this guy it's it's absurd and uh definitely when we get into the music he'll become more uh, evident but if 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 it isn't evident already it's going to be evident by the end of the episode. So, but that said, uh, Ben, what else have, uh, have you got uh, history-wise? Yeah, so Akala is actually a little brother to Miss Dynamite. Did you know that, Charlie? Yes, I knew that. Yeah, that's fucking cool, man. So, Akala was born to a Scottish mother and Jamaican father, although they had separated before his birth. So, he's raised by his mum. 
And he said that because their mum was white, people would try to co-op them. Like, he told The Guardian, I remember the Daily Mail wrote an article about my sister at the time, and essentially their argument was, well, she's not really black, is she? She's quite clever, and she's got a white mum. It was so funny when they tried to co-opt us. He wrote a really fascinating piece for The Guardian in 2018, and it had the title, As I Grew Up, I Became Embarrassed by My Mother's Whiteness. And I'll read an excerpt. Because this is history, this is part of his history. Uh, one day in 1988, at the age of five, I returned home from school upset. My mum tried to work out why, but I was reluctant to tell her. After some coaxing, I told her that a boy in the playground had called me a particularly nasty name. As I was about to spill the beans, a strange thing occurred. I said, Mum, the white boy, and trailed off before I could complete the sentence. A profound realization hit me. With a hint of terror and accusation, I said, But you're white, aren't you, Mummy? And the article oscillates between Akala's emotional responses and his rationalizations. And that's a huge part of his music and just his career in general. Uh, but he said this, and this stuck with me. He said, For a long time, race threatened to wreck our relationship, combined with the stresses of being poor and the more mundane familial resentments. But we survived, and after many struggles, flourished. So Akala's teenage years are pretty mainstream in comparison to his career. And I said all that, it, it will become relevant in a second. Um, see, he played football for West Ham all the way up to under 18s. He was an incredibly gifted student. Like it's just, this guy is just supremely talented. But he said he began to see the complexity of his circumstances wasn't being spoken on as often as it should. And he told The Guardian, I hate to say it, but this country is not comfortable with the idea of young, intelligent black people, especially men. They're treated as the exception to the rule. Now, Akala's schooling experience is a tale of two halves because in primary school, he actually worked with a special needs group because English was his second language. But on Saturdays, he would attend supplementary education and he was thriving. He was learning personal skills and learning with his community and, and learning how to become a, a community leader. And he said this to Anush uh, Shakalain, in 2019 sorry if i've uh, said your name wrong there i apologize he said i benefited massively from a specifically black community-led self-education tradition that we don't talk about very much because it doesn't fit with the image of black families now, he believed he was being he was punished at school regularly for being a know-it-all but it didn't hold him back like he picked up 10 gcses and he moved his focus onto football but his teenage years were really really formative Akala is one of the preeminent scholars of modern Britain, and it began as early as that conversation with he had with his mother when he was just five. And this is the whole thing about Akala; he's a philosopher, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that throughout the pot, the the episode, and I'll explain that in a second. But he said at age thirteen he was stopped by the police and searched on his way to a mathematics masterclass. You know, he was he said it was such a trip because like he wasn't doing anything wrong at all. He was going to a very mainstream mathematics masterclass. Is very, you know, is very a scholarly thing, and he got stopped and searched for no reason whatsoever, no probable cause, nothing. Um, he said at the age of twelve, he saw his friend attacked with a meat cleaver, and that actually spurred him to carry a knife himself for protection. And as Charlie mentioned, he had a book in twenty eighteen entitled Natives. I want to read a bit of it. Um, he says this, and I quote because I think it gives a great background of his early thought process, and I want a positive theory. So he says, I went into the British school system, a nerdy boy who wanted to be an astronaut. I was from a materially poor but culturally very rich family. My stepdad was stage manager of a theatre, which was probably the most important black-led cultural institution in the 1980s Britain. 
You couldn't ask for a culturally better upbringing. I saw probably four pieces of theater a week for the first 10 years of my life. But I went into school too well prepared for school for a child from my ethnic and class backgrounds. And I found out very early that this offended some teachers' very sense of identity. My teacher at seven put me in a special needs group for kids who didn't speak English. She obviously knew I didn't have problems with English. I was reading Lord of the Rings at home. This is a woman who was brought up in the 1930s at a time when the idea that white people were innately genetically superior and that Britain's right to colonize the world was self-evident. This doesn't excuse her, but she was conditioned in a very particular way. I can now understand why maybe she felt like a traitor to her race, to her culture and her history if she allowed me to believe that I could access the best of British society. Then I went out into the world and was dealt with, particularly by school teachers, a certain way, dealt with by the police a certain way, and this influenced my intellectual journey. Had I not had those experiences, I probably wouldn't have even asked the questions that I've asked. I'm 13 years old, the police have just searched me illegally, there's not an adult present, how can they get away with this? I learned very early that, oh, the laws of the country don't apply to me. So then I wanted to figure out, well, why is that the laws of Britain don't really apply to me the same way they apply to everyone else? So, I mean, it's very intense. This is all before the age of 13. You know, Akala, that's what my whole point is during his formative years. He went through a fuckload. He went through a fuckload. And I'm reading this book at the moment which speaks on the origins of philosophy and the role of philosophers have played in uncovering truths of human behavior and humanity. Now, a lot of people scoff at the idea of philosophy, but I, I don't see how you can because at its core, it's just the study of the nature of life and human behavior. It's not any deeper than that. And it's as deep as that. Like, it's just very quite basic. And Akala is a philosopher. There's absolutely no doubt about that because philosophers observe and ask questions. And the best questions expose deep-seated biases within, within individuals or, if you're really good at it like Akala, within society as a whole. And so Akala is everything. He's a rapper. He's a journalist. He's an author. He's an activist. He's a poet. He's even produced some of his own music. So you might ask yourself, why would Akala rap? Um, he once wrote an opinion piece that hip-hop could be seen as a misogynistic, materialistic handmaiden of American capitalism. But the article was not critical of hip-hop. It was critical of those who scratch the surface and apply broad stereotypes to a very nuanced musical genre and culture. And he said this, There is no other genre through which such diverse voices have found themselves, all sharing a common sense of what it is to be hip-hop. And I think that's a great way to transition into his musical career so he picked up his stage name uh from the word akala which is a buddhist term for immovable and he decided to begin dropping music in 2003 via his own label ill estate records and we got the war mixtape in 2004 uh, and then his debut album in 2006 and akala told an interviewer in 2007 that um his and i'm just setting this up for charlie to jump into that that debut album he, uh when he set up ill estate records it came about via a friend, and this will be very interesting when we get into it, a friend who had a home studio. And this was it's such an inauspicious way to describe Reza Safinia, but he says a friend who had a home studio and they would work together on music and his friend's business partner, partner hopped in and became the financial backer for the label. And out of that, we get It's Not a Rumor. Yeah, and... Like you, you, uh, I wonder for people that haven't listened, like, uh, what would you expect uh, to hear for the first half of this record? 
Because, <laughs> hey, hey, just simple, guys. Like, the, bro, this is just, some of this shit is just straight up rock music. Yeah. Like, it's crazy, like, how it's how, and he, it's not, it's not just this album that he does it, and he does it throughout his career, um, less so in other albums, but here it's just so overtly rock, like, it's just crazy. It comes across as, like, um, yeah, just, like, a real, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I pigeonhole myself like this and put myself in the corner trying to think of a rock band, and then... I, I feel like I feel like if I mentioned anybody, Ben's gonna be like, no. Mention <laughs> God, someone. Who's this, pr- who's this just, prick? Just no, I don't someone. know. I don't know. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know. It just sounds like rock to me. Like I, can't, I don't want to go further than that because I don't want to embarrass myself. But like it's just, it, it's just that. It's just rock, bro. It's just rock. That's all I go for. That's all I go for. For some people, that's enough. And for me, that's enough. So um, I'll stick it to that, and I'll, I'll let you give examples if you want. But um, yeah, it's is it it, it it comes across as that, but. You know, uh, for uh, I mentioned Shakespeare as as the start of the, the start of the show, um, quoting here, quoting that song, and that's a I think to date is probably his most uh, famous track. And uh, you know, it kind of it's it's interesting how that track is his has his uh is his most listened to. Um, I think if I'm correct, um, because it's from that kind of track where I me- I remember he when I saw him live he. Basically, he did this. Uh, he basically was just talking about, uh, you know, his lyrics and why he refrained from saying the N word in his lyrics, um, because of tracks like this. Um, you know, I said in the, tr- I said in the, I said in the beginning, I said with a Nakana twist, but it's supposed to be with the nigger twist. And the reason why I changed it is the reason why he changed it, because, well, in in respect to the fact that he changed it, because. Uh, or change his outlook anyway, because he basically in, and this is how I think, this is how I thought of it even beforehand. Um, I don't know if I wrote, I, I wrote something, I remember having a conversation with a friend, this is a tangent, um, but it, I remember having a conversation with a friend, a white friend about, about the, about, you know, just the N word in general and why uh, artists put it in their music. It was after, you know what, I think I've mentioned this to you before, it was after the Kendrick uh, show where like the girl said it during, uh, where she like the white girl came up and, she, and he was like, no, no, you don't do that. And everyone was like, why not? It's in the lyrics. Why can't we say it? it's in the lyrics? That conversation, right? And I basically made an article out of that saying, they don't make this music with you in mind, bro. <laughs> like, like, they don't make it. They don't make it so you can say it. Like it's not. It's not the point of them putting it there. Um, and you know, it's kind of the same. Carla said the same thing when I when I saw him live. He was like, I just saw white faces saying the N word to me. And that's jarring, and I can imagine that. I was—that's I, exactly what I was thinking. Like when I, when he said that, I was just like, "That must be jarring, isn't it?" Like, I, and I just wonder if any other if any other black guys actually feel that way, I and if they've ever changed on that. Hasn't on no that name said that? Hasn't she explicitly said probably. that? Probably, yeah. yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would be yeah. That, that'd be definitely um, inside her inside her world outlook. I can definitely imagine her saying that. Um, hmm. So yeah, yeah, it just makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I can I can imagine that. Um, but you know, past that past that particular track and uh, just why that was interesting to me, um, you know, you get like a why do and that has a, a aforementioned Miss Dynamite in there. Um, roll with us, uh, roll with us or get rolled over. It's just banger. Uh, <laughs> bullshit is great. I love I love this is London. Um, it's so uh, anthemic in that way. Uh, bullshit is uh, bullshit is probably my favorite track out of this album, particularly. 
Um, just what just what he talks about is just basically everything is bullshit. It's very it's very youthful, and uh, yeah, it's just very uh, what's the word? Um, very radical. It's just like everything's bullshit. Fucking angst, angst, angst. And it's interesting. Like he, he I think I don't know if he he probably meant this, but with all the rock elements to it. It kind of reminds me of just like, you know, where the reason why Chuck D and people like that constantly like why why Chuck D has profits of rage, right? Stuff like that. Because rock and hip hop are so intertwined in, in a lot of ways and so split apart in so many ways at the same time. Uh for for re for obvious reasons I, I won't get into. But but you know, Carla makes a genuine uh a genuine mix here. Um in terms of his sound and what he gives. Because at this point, you know, we talked about Skepta last week. 06, this is grime country right now. Nobody's doing this. Mm. (laughs) Nobody's doing this. You know what I mean? So it's fascinating how he just turns left and tries something different on that front. So respect on that front. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... First three songs, like, you'd be like, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything more insanely rock than that like it's just straight up rock i found it i found it like this was my first ever listening to an akala project um i'll get into the history of it it 2006 entirely independent reza safinia produced most of the project he's a very accomplished producer uh he's a film composer worked with dr dre britney spears kylie minogue safinia told frishin that when he became a pop producer he longed to go back to his underground hip-hop days, and when he met Akala, he was blown away by his talent, intelligence, and personality. And Safinia came on as the person with the home studio, and in his words, he said, We set up our own indie label, giving me the chance to produce music from my heart, like his song Shakespeare, experimenting with fusing electronica and hip-hop. And yeah, man, like, Akala's... I think, I think the high points of this album... The couplet of uh, this is London and bullshit, I think that they really yep. harness a car's desire not to just observe and ask questions, but to challenge the listener on the misconceptions we have about modern society and what mm-hmm. perpetuates them. Now, like if you were listening to me read out some of his words at the start, uh, maybe you were challenged a little bit. And... I think that that's exactly what Akala's music is going to do. It really does challenge. It doesn't make people feel safe and comfortable in echo chambers and warm in you know the safety of their the structures they built around them. It, it seeks to not tear them down, but like make you question them and be like, well, how did this come about? Like, how am I so comfortable right now? Uh, and and this album is critically acclaimed. It actually earned him the Mobo Award for Best Hip Hop Act. That award has a little, I didn't know much about it, but it has a shaky history because in the years yeah. prior to Akala winning, Justin Timberlake won Best R&B Act in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I, I said this last week. Like, you can you can play fast and loose when it comes to the MOBOs, and it's fine. We get it. Like, Wait, it's what just, is it? Yeah, it's... it's, it's yeah, MOBO stands for... Does does MOBO not stand for Music of Black Origin? Music of Black Origin, yeah. yeah. I mean, R&B is of Black Origin, but anyway. So, um, yeah, hence why hence why Sam Smith won it when I told you last week. You know what I mean? So I, I, I get it, but... Technically, <laughs> yeah. Technically, so it's yeah. Just, Anyway, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a hurdle. It's a, it's a mental hurdle. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, they did yeah, well with Timberland. <laughs> they did, but they did well giving it to Akala because I think he was up against Kanye, Fifty Cent, uh, someone else that year. 
Um, but he said about the album, uh, Akala said, music from my heart and my soul. Myself and my producer, Reggie, did the bulk of the album. It's different. I don't only listen to hip-hop, and I want that to be reflected in the music I'm making. The best hip-hop is hip-hop that takes influences from other types of music, and that's the hip-hop I'm trying to make. There's a lot of rock influences on there, a lot of soul, and the current single, Shakespeare, is a house sample. Um, I think, yeah, 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 really showed to me what Akala's MO was going to be for the rest of his career. He really could have alienated himself from the industry with it because... To be fair, he's taking aim at just about everyone who was rapping like that in the early 2000s. Um, there's really no fucks given from Akala on this record. There's no bullshit. He didn't care who listened. And this is why the theme of the episode, I think, continues to be Akala the philosopher. Because I don't think a philosopher gives a fuck if you listen to them or not. If you care about them or not. If you book them for shows or not. If you buy their work or not. They care only about the pursuit of knowledge. And that's exactly what Akala is interested in on this album. And it's a precursor to what will become an insanely good discography. I think the idea of a Akala at <clears throat> sorry, age 23 dropping his opus isn't feasible. And if you're wondering why people fawn heavily over Illmatic, for example, it's because Nas was 17 years old and he <laughs> created something it would take the best rappers 20 years of dropping product to touch, right? Uh-huh. So Akala mm. is that level of MC and artist. He was never a gimmick and he was never concerned with creating self-contained projects. He wanted to challenge his listeners to grow. And so in order to do that, he had to grow himself. And I think that's why... I don't see this anywhere near his best product. I think as he gets older, he only gets yep. better and he only can because yep. all he's doing is growing and asking the right questions. And his teenage years have been tumultuous and it's burdened to become a rapper, but you know, the best was yet to come. So yeah. Yeah, uh yeah, uh, straight on to uh, Freedom Lasso and uh I remember listening to Electro Living Live. Such a bop, such a bop. <laughs> Electro Living the Live the Live. I love that track so much. It's such a pop. Like I, I just love it. I, I, love, I don't know. I just. It's so. I don't know. It's just the. It's just the rhythm of it. Electro living in the land. I love it. It's great. Um. Yeah. So, uh, highly notable track is a uh, comedy tragedy history. Um, mm. where uh, apparently on Genius here it says uh, a Carl was on a British radio show called BBC One Extra, which is not a show. That's a stay whole station. Um, and the host challenged him to create a freestyle incorporating the titles of 27 Shakespeare plays. Akala had 10 minutes to write the rap and the first two verses of the song is what we came up with. Um, so, so, and <laughs> I, we, I, I, we could have, we could have played the, uh, pick a song, uh, game, uh, by the way, could have done that. Um, we, we should do it more often actually when, when, when it's, uh, cause we, we don't, we can't, we can't do it for everybody, but it's, it's people like Akala that we literally can do it. But there's um, a so, unique person that you can do it for. Yeah, I think, exactly. Like, there's it's not many. Not, there's not yeah, many. There's not many. Yeah. There's not many. There's not many. Like we can make it a thing, but it's not many. Um, so for the sake of just, you know, let me just, uh, do this bit. So yeah, first one, dad boy Akala's a diamond fella. All you little boys are comedy of errors. You bellow, but you fellows get played like the cello. Mm. I'm doing my ting. You're jealous like Othello. Mm. Who you? What you gonna do? All you little boys get tame like the shrew. <laughs> You're a midsummer dreaming. Your tunes ain't appealing. I'm Capulet. You're Montague. I ain't feeling. <laughs> I'm the Julius Caesar. Hear me. The Merchant of Venice. You couldn't sell your CD. <laughs> Age for me. All's well that ends well. Your boys like Macbeth. You're going to hell. <laughs> measure for measure. I'm the best here. Your merry wives are Win- Windsor, not King Lear. <sighs> I don't know about Timon. I know he was in Athens. 
when I come back like Hamlet, you pay for your action. He literally does it, bro. Much Ado About Nothing, Twelve Nights, Henry IV, Pericles, Prince of Tyre, Winter's Tale, Antony and Cleopatra, uh, Love Labour's Lost, Two Gentlemen of Verona. It's just absurd. Yeah, like, yeah. It, like, it's just... It's just because, like, it's just there. Like, <laughs> it's absurd to think about. Um, but yeah, the rest of the album, uh, kind of, uh, I, I kind of, it's, I know it's all produced by Reza. Again, um, well, this one's all produced by Reza anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, it's more consistent, I guess, on a production standpoint, and on that front, it, you know, it flows. Uh, it's not as. Um, oh, I don't want to say. I don't want to say disjointed as, as the first one because uh, that, may, that gives a. Uh, negative connotations but uh i don't know it, it's just it's just smoother as listen i think um another track for me is uh where i'm from um which kind of li- kind of reminds it kind of harks back to like the this is london bullshit kind of talk where again you're going for that philosopher angle and it's kind of the same here um here in england now we got bloods and crips i'm ashamed and embarrassed have to admit our parents got chased because they were black now we killed each other for colors in the union jack this is not the States, no American dream, just a British nightmare with a similar theme. Same scheme, same fiend, same end to the dream, same church, same hurt, same mother that screams. With the only difference being there's no opposites here, no Jigger, no Simmons, no positives here. It's obvious, it is obvious we are pros- not prospering here. What's horrible? I don't know if it's possible here. Our grandparents came here invited by Her Majesty, tragically to be treated like savages. No blacks, no Irish, and of course no dogs. And if it ain't cleaning toilets, then of course no jobs. With all the teddy boys attacking us and calling us wogs, boys in blue at it too, apparently that's not on. And we're here 50 years later, nothing's improved. It's like we've gone back a step, like we're chasing our roots. Here we are 50 years later, nothing improved. We've gone back a step and we ain't chasing our roots. Bro, the amount, just personally, the amount of existential thought I put towards that kind of that kind of thinking is just a weekly basis of like thinking just where the fuck are we going like culturally and stuff like that. You know, there's a there's a there's a recent YouTube original series that I highly recommend to everyone uh, called The Outsiders. Um, it's a you know it's free to watch. It's on YouTube, obviously, um, and it features like a lot of just black British people. Um, it's, it's made by a photographer called Simon Frederick and, uh, he's done, uh, he's done a few of the, a few things of that nature. He did, uh, some called, uh, they've got to have us, which is about black people in Hollywood. And that was fascinating. And this is kind of just more about British culture. And it was like, you know, uh, just, just, yeah, lo- loads of black British people of note. Um, and it kind of, it brings me to that. It kind of brings me to that kind of train of thought and, um, you know, every album of his has that thought-provoking track, or like several of them. But like, there's always that one for me, where it just like really makes me stop and think existentially. Like I don't all fucking already. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a that's a track in particular. Um, the rest of the album's uh, uh, fine. It's worth a listen. Obviously, uh, you know, Electric Living is a banger. Uh, just for just for the jams. Uh, but those two tracks in particular are just like outstanding, just creatively uh, worth a definitely worth highlighting yeah i mean electro living <clears throat> that's just a dense wall of sound that's a dense wall of sound the title track is just stacked with reverb and claustrophobia the whole first half is really close like it feels like it's encroaching on my personal space the second half it feels a lot more open you know after the, right. yeah. the comedy tragedy history is is lunacy 
is absolutely because it's not just the lyrical content it's just the wildest beat of 2007 it's just like the the, the bpm the bpm the cadence it's incredible like it's unbelievable it's a great song go listen to it if you've never heard it before um we get a much more mainstream second half to the album i felt like than his uh debut and i don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way i just mean Mm -hmm. it just feels a little bit more accessible um Mm I love his. I love his. I love the MySpace references we're getting from uh, from artists. We got some from Skepta last week, but in an interview yeah, with the Independent, yeah. uh, Akala said um, he was probably he said probably doing some stuff on my MySpace site because they were asking him like what he would be doing if he wasn't making music. So probably doing stuff on my MySpace site or just working, running the company. There's lots of meetings, publicity people to deal with that sort of thing. And they asked him in that interview if he were a politician, what he would do. And he said, bring back people power. He said, the country's major decisions need to be made by people, not by the government. Things like joining the EU, going to war, those affect people, not the government. So they are the people's decision to make. People pay taxes, and if the government makes all the decisions for them, it's not a democracy. It's the dictatorship just in disguise. And fuck, man, I agree with that fully. I fully, like right now in Australia, for example, our climate uh, change policy is being set by the National Party, which is part of the minority government, they got 4.5% of the vote, right? But because they're in a coalition with the Liberal Party who got, you know, 48 point something percent of the vote, they have just as much power as the Liberal Party. So now there's 4.5% of the people voted for them and they're the ones who get to decide our climate change policy. Tell me that's democracy. There's no fucking democracy. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, that's the thing with Akala, man. That's the thing. That's the thing. He does a lot of interviews and... He does speak on his creations a lot, but if you listen to his interviews, he goes off on tangents heaps because clearly his mind is always, always turning over. But he told the national student this. He said, my album Freedom Lasso was recorded last February. With all the music I make, I just try to be as honest and as real as I could musically and lyrically and express the ideas, thoughts and feelings I was having at that particular time. And he actually supported a Christina Aguilera tour prior to this album. Yeah, he also became the first rapper to perform a hip-hop show in Vietnam. And, you know, the the classic live session on BBC Radio 1, as Charlie said. Um, I think we get a good mix on here, on this record. I don't think we have anything as impactful as yeah, 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 bullshit, or this is London. Um, You know, bit by bit, scattered instrumental. Uh, I think that's really impactful. Where I'm from is a very honest and powerful mix. I think too often on Freedom Lasso, Akala was intent on letting us know he could rap, like really, really rap over wild instrumentals. And I think the weight of influence yeah. and inspiration in his music is palpable, but rather than enhance his message, I felt like it distracted from the depth of his words. Because I think when he gave us our first album, it was such a, it hit you in the face. And But with this album, there's a lot going on. And if you're not super tuned in with the messages he's relaying via his content, you might get lost in the instrumentals and the you know the the mishmash of that. So that's why I felt like it's a interesting and a great transition into Double Think, which I'll talk about. But yeah, if you want to talk about that, Charlie. Yeah. So um, this is so dense. Like this album is <laughs> so freaking dense uh yeah obviously double think referring to uh george orwell's 1984 uh amazing book for those ain't read and 
you know, it's uh, constant, uh, always, uh, always relevant, uh, especially in this day and age. Um, I think it referenced a few other books, so if I remember correctly. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, overall, it's just um, a very, very dense uh, listen. <laughs> like it, it, it feels so. It feels like there's so much in here, um, especially like the first half, uh, pre double XL. Um, I honestly, I think double XL. While it's a heater track and probably uh, his uh, most, oh, it's his first single off this album. Um, while 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 it's uh, you know, and he performed it uh, live as well, so it's clearly in the rotation. Um, it actually kind of, I guess, it provides more of a respite from everything <laughs> that he talks about and uh, all of the elements of uh, 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 of of thought that he gives. Um, Marathon Man just, uh, just really, yeah, it's just really, uh, jarring, I guess, in some ways, uh, you know, run from your conscience, run from the nonsense, it's the ad break, so run for our sponsors, watch the news, run from these monsters, you should be confused, run from your responses, run from your views, uh, shout with the crowd, shout with the crowd, first check you're allowed, it's just, yeah, it's just really... It's so dark, like it's so dark thinking about, uh, and it really can send you somewhere. Um, uh, for lack of for lack of time, a uh, bigger big, uh, I'll, I'll rate the big track for me, which was a uh, uh, find no enemy, um, which is just again, once again, just super super, just right, so close to home, um, and also just like really good commentary overall in society. Um, kind of like natives in a nutshell, basically. Um, yeah, it literally starts it off with apparently I'm second generation Black Caribbean and half white Scottish, whatever that means. See, lately I feel confused with the boxes because to me that all they do is breed conflict, and it just goes down from there. It just it's just a continual spiral, a million bars track going going for like nearly six minutes. He's just going on and on and on. Referencing Emmett Till, uh, it's this big, uh, it's this great bit about a uh, uh, black art. Here we go, uh, calling it black radio. Don't make laugh. Uh, so is black music all about tits and ass? You re- you don't represent nothing. You're just pretending. When was the last time you ever played Hendrix or Miles Davis or John Coltrane or Ella Fitzgerald or Billie Holiday? We can call it urban to me. That's cool. If urban means street, that includes jazz too. And rock for that matter. Go ask Mick Jagger or Jimmy Page what they're listening to. The blues. Like, it's it's just it's so it's so dense. Like that's just one song. The album is super super dense to me. Um, I love the intro and outro especially. I love those. I I, I just really love those um, just orchestral elements to them. Uh, they really just make the album for me. Uh, but yeah, this is super ambitious as a as a as a I think as a creative project for him. Uh, I, I think it's probably his most is his it is probably his his most ambitious record um, in terms of just what he wanted to do sonically, and obviously what he put in in the in the actual lyrics themselves. Absolutely, and that's why it's my favorite because yeah. Let me speak on it because Double Think was coined by George Orwell in his legendary novel 1984, which was released in 1949. Now, Double Think is, and I'm, I'm quoting Wikipedia here, a process of indoctrination whereby the subject is expected to simultaneously accept two mutually contradictory beliefs as correct, 
often in contravention to one's own memory or sense of reality. So basically, it's brainwashing. And when you read the novel, uh, it's bonkers to see what the citizens are forced to swallow. Uh, And if they don't parrot it back and fully believe in it, even when it's clearly not true, they're ostracized from society and they're punished. Now, what scares me the most is how it has snuck into modern mainstream society. I was talking to my sister yesterday and she was describing a situation at school where the kids were allowed to go to a local park for lunch, right? And a group of boys started playing football, kicking the football directly over the heads of an older couple sitting on the bench eating their lunch. And when they were told that they couldn't do that, that they had to respect the right of the couple to sit and eat their lunch unharmed, one of the boys replied, but what about my right to play football? And (laughs) this is just this thing where like two mutually exclusive things have to be held together in modern society. Um, We see it with the pandemic with the COVID vaccine. It's like, what about my right not to take the COVID vaccine? And it's like, no, like now you're encroaching on the right of other people to be safe. And it's in, in 1984, Doublethink is is described as thus, and it's a, it's a complex thing. Like I, I do want to explain it because I think it's very important to this record to to hold simultaneously two opinions which cancelled out, knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them. To use logic against logic to repudiate morality while laying claim to it, and you just see it everywhere, man. For someone to claim they're fighting for freedom from lockdown by protesting against lockdowns in the full knowledge that spreading COVID through anti-lockdown process, protests sorry, will only bring about more lockdowns. You know, society is absolutely full of contradictions and more and more we're being told by right-wing media to accept them rather than challenge them. And that any challenge of someone's opinion or belief, no matter how wrong that belief is regards to truth and reality, is taking away their human rights. And I really love how, you know, over the head this goes with some people. An interview with Eddie Lawrence, it begins as thus, right? This is Eddie Lawrence talking about it. His new album, Doublethink, is available online now. But when we spoke to him, he was too busy pondering Brazilian poverty and the state of modern, modern music. Here's where his head's at right now. I mean, isn't that the point? Like, what do you mean he's too busy pondering Brazilian poverty? <laughs> That's the whole fucking point of Akala's career. That's the whole point of this album right like i don't know man i don't know it's just it's conf- people really did not get this uh the, the reviews i read people did not not get this i think psycho is a very overt record i think um the thing i do like about that is the thing i do like about this whole album is it's examining the human behind the dystopia because i think too often we're presented with monoliths you know like conservatives christians anti-vaxxers lefties misogynist, feminist, these giant terms that are designed to categorize a human with all their complexities and contradictions and the vast number of divergent values they hold. But by doing that, we're pushing those very people into groupthink, into living their lives according to the group they identify with rather than allowing them the space to be wrong in one aspect of their life or different in one aspect but you know, different again in another, a contradictory thing, or maybe damaging in one aspect but nourishing in another. And I think yours and my children really hammers this home with the, the most delicate of topics, which is judging and pigeonholing children based on, on some part about them that they have no real concept of. You know, that's the whole point of the record. It's like wherever you're born or, you know, 
whatever your cultural background or your socioeconomic background, you're born into that. And that defines like a huge portion of your adult life. And you have absolutely no control over that. And how absurd that is, how ridiculously absurd that is, and how it's silly and ridiculous to uplift people who succeed in a system that was designed for them to succeed in. And then to, you know, criticize people who fail in a system that was designed for them to fail. Like, it's just ridiculous. And I think that's the triumph for this record. I I don't think it's any more insightful than his previous two with regards to content, but I do really like that he locked himself into a concept and just delivered on it. You know, he flourished within it. And I think it's a fucking great project, man. It's The, the beats are wild on here again. Like, very, yeah. very intense production. Um yeah. It's a meal. It's a fucking meal, <laughs> really. <laughs> it is a meal. Um, yeah. So, uh, if for for those, okay, here's a great here's a great uh, segue to the next one. So, if you guys don't want to, uh, if 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 all of that put you off and you feel like I'm not mentally equipped for that kind of thing, um, go just peep. So the next album is the Thieves Banquet, but just peep the title track. Just under seven minutes, and you'll understand. Like I think that I think that track is like one of the greatest just concepts within one track I've ever heard. Like it's it's absurd. It is it kind of, it's it's literally it's literally theatre in 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 that way. It's it's theatre. Um, you know, he he literally starts it off by just like basically narrating. Uh, he's like, what, he's he's setting the scene, right? Very the- theatrical. <laughs> and then he's like, the first verse is talking as like a third world dictator, and then the second mm. one, he's the uh, 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 empire, the monarch of empire, and then the third one, I think he's like a banker. If I remember, oh yeah, no, sorry, head of religious orders. That's the one here. Um, so yeah, it's just, <laughs> and then and then the cartel banker. That's the last one. Yeah, so. It's so theatrical, and he puts voices on, and it's 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 so fascinating to just listen to. Like of just and and it's a genuine question. Like of all the and that's a good four. So the concept here for guys that always have listened. So um, basically, the thing is like the devil himself is having a, a special banquet of all for the greatest thieves of the land. Right, he sends invites. Right. And each would stake their claim, and uh, he it cuts down to three or uh, four sets of people: the monarchs of empire, cartel of bankers, the heads of religious orders, and third world dictators. And they basically they're all appointed a, a spokesman, and they give their case to the devil, and that's basically the whole track. Um, so <laughs> it's a great freaking thought experiment. Um, just after the fact, just thinking like, hmm. I mean, and when you go through it, and when you listen to what he's saying, like as the characters, they're like, mm, "Does make a point." Like, it's, just great. it's it's so fascinating. It's it's like it's like it's like question time, but fun. It's just great. Um, it's it's so fascinating to think about. Um, obviously, there's the rest of the album, uh, which I which I I feel like I'm uh, uh pushing past like a lot of the time, just but I'm kind of doing it for the sake of time. Um, but you know. I do like this album um, from the fact that that has that is just sandwiched in between. Um, I love uh, I love pissed off and uh, uh, or is it don't piss me off? Uh, that's probably from that's probably for the next album. Um, and uh, our way the way with uh, Iona Witter Johnson and I just love Iona Witter Johnson. 
uh, from her EP from uh, uh, a couple of months ago that also had a color on it. And it's clear like they just have such good chemistry whenever on the track. Like they come onto the next album as well, and it's just it's just so elite for me. Um, and one minor note: I remember we talked about uh, you know with like Kelly One last a uh, few weeks ago, uh, talking about you know just having like an album where like oh it's all me, you know, so it's all me on the track. Akala's doing all of that and like throwing on characters, like and just voicing that. Not, I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not saying. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not shitting on Heady One. I'm just saying because I because I did say that to you. I was just like, do we actually? Should we actually? Is that a thing to gas up having an album with just you on it? Um. So you know, I, I was, this one. This is pro- actually this is the first one with, with actual with uh with listed features. Um. Anyway. Um. Obviously, there's others with like a uh, mentions, but um, or credits. But uh, yeah, this one actually has genuine features on it. Um, and they, and they and they they work they work in terms of uh, what happens on it. Um, Josh Osho and uh, Lose Myself is very good, and obviously I uh, which is Johnson I mentioned, and also a game called Life with me uh, my Khalil, that's uh, very good. Uh, there's also part two of the Thieves Banquet for those that want an extra help in, but uh, yeah, <coughs> I like I like the album, but uh, the track that one track fuck like I just it blew my mind. I like, just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Uh, there's no production from Reza Safinia at all on this record. So Akala actually produces eight. He has production credit on eight songs. Independent, of course. The album was actually recorded with a live band. Uh, oh, Akala, really? Good. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's a journal article, uh, which is basically a scholar, scholarly article. Uh, it's written by Justin A. Williams, and it's titled Rapping, Post-Coloni- Rapping Post-Coloniality. Uh, Akala's The Thieves, Thieves Banquet and Neo-Colonial Critique and I want to just read a section of it because I find it really interesting this article focuses on the track The Thieves Banquet from 2013 album and its critique of neo-colonialism his theatrical performance on these tracks with their use of multi-accentuality and code combining with elements of western classical music creates a multi-layered and intermedial hybrid text as black vernacular forms such as hip-hop have become a powerful site of capitalist critique, Akala's performative skills as a rapper allow him to present a complex and didactic allegory informed by imperial history, the literature of the global south and the global financial crisis. Akala's track, Mangamizi, pardon me for my mispronunciation there, um, refers to the enslavement of the African people and the ensuing destruction, a Swahili expression which translates as destruction, doom, and or annihilation. It discusses the African Holocaust, forced migration, torture, and slavery in raw, powerful terms. He concludes that these injustices will stop only when the current institutions of unequal power relationships cease to exist. Akala addresses African genocide as well as forced migration and displacement and links them to the recurrence of exploitation in the prison industrial complex, guns, drugs, and the culture of military intervention, and the corrupt relationship between national governments and international financial organizations. So the the term neocolonialism was coined by um, uh, the president, Ung, Unkru Ma and John McLeod defined it as such, the perpetuation of a nation's subservience to the interests of Europe supported by an indigenous elite after colonialism has formally ended 
And we see sub- subservience playing out regularly in Akala's music because, and I'm, I'm saying there's a lot here, but like I really think this is key. Often he's frustrated and perplexed at the servitude of those being exploited by the government or by capitalism and being forced to exist on the difficult side of inequality. And yet they remain dedicated to the structures holding them back. The whole concept of his previous record dealt with this, the whole idea of doublethink. And he continues the theme on this record um, on a game named Life, he opens with a game named Life where fools make the rules and poets paint pictures with words that change nothing. Survival of the fittest, they say, are they sure? Or just the survival of those with the will to kill more? It seems we shape every place that we grace with hate, depending which side of the fence or which epoch. You die a slow death or be singing from the treetops. Praise for the status quo because you're comfortable. Those who lost out in this lottery, fuck them all. Nice with this roll of the dice, I'm quite proud, and I don't know if we will ever roll another time around. And on the third verse, he raps, Are you foolish? They ain't racing, we're chasing the payslip. So they have won before even the game starts, unless we change it to another set of rules, different from the fools. But to do that, we're going to have to use their tools. And therein lies our greatest dilemma. In this game named Life, who plays it better? And Akala seems both disgusted and fascinated by humanity's conservatism, even in the face of gross Hmm. misfortune for anyone not born wealthy or into good circumstance. He has a whole song on here called Pissed Off. And you can feel the anger and frustration emanating from every word. And I agree with every word he raps because Akala... He clearly identifies a giant hole in the goodwill of society. And his whole career, he has not just been chipping away at it, but blasting it with every fiber of his being. As his career has progressed, the instrumentals have become more subdued. But that's just shown his growing frustration because this record comes out a full decade after his debut. And I think I think what he does is we get classic level material through sheer force of will, through sheer emotion and frustration and the agony of being right in a world that refuses to listen. And I think it just, it gets not, I want to say it gets more desperate as his career goes on because the things he identified in his first album, he's still rapping about 10 years later and nothing has changed. And you can feel him getting more frustrated and agitated as he goes on. And then we get knowledge is power too. Yeah, um, this record kind of, uh, I guess, uh, gives me more of just like a, uh, I don't, I don't know, kind of like a. It's not, it's not like a conceptual, I guess, as something like a fees banquet or a double think. Um, instead, it kind of just gives me, uh, here's some, here's some bars, and that's fine. Like it, it's just knowledge drops. I feel um, a lot of the time. Uh, so he starts with that <clears throat> that Mr. Fire in the booth, and that's mm. obviously just a you know just a just one big flex. Like flex. <laughs> just just call yourself that is a bit of a flex, considering you know the other people the other people that have uh, you know graced the stage of Fire in the booth. Um, so you know to say that, and you know I'm not I I personally uh, you know uh, um, uh, subscribe to that thinking. Um, so it's not just him, um, but you know it kind of just uh, gets into um <clears throat> just uh points that he uh, things that he's obviously talked about before um but obviously but just in ter- but just in more of a i guess like a 
just more edible, I guess, if if that makes any sense. So, uh, Murder Runs the Globe is very, um, mm. it's very hard hitting and uh, uh, just yeah, just very aggro. Um, yeah, it's just, <laughs> just talking about uh, murders and just how we see murder, I guess, as well. Um, because these verses are so like stacked, it's, it's actually stupid how uh, meaty these are. Uh, every knife that punctures the lungs of sons don't don't uh, don't don't make you wonder, mums. If he was born to billionaires, backed by a hundred guns, would he still be living still, drinking, sleeping, eating meals instead of dead, where it don't count? Uh, we expect you to expect you to be killed because living as a pauper is a fate that is tainted, acquainted with torture. We ain't debating the rape of the daughter. If she was raised in particular borders, place a fate made particular slaughters, no fate, just particular orders. It's the way of the world, no accident. In fact, it's immaculate. You got a big, big gun, start clapping it. <laughs> it's just, oh my gosh, it just goes. It, the the wordplay just drips here, everywhere uh, across this record. It's not, it's not just this particular track. Um, uh, I, but I do, but I, I do like it when he just um goes. You know, in Akala terms, uh, relatively light. Uh, Don't piss me off is just fun to listen to for me. Um, it's just that it's just really just <laughs> it's it, it, it's just um, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like a Guy Ritchie movie. Um, yeah, you know I mean, just something like that. Just just where just the whole hook is just going. Don't piss me off. You what? You what? Don't piss me off. It's just, it's absolutely fun to me. I I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, yeah, are you a little boy and you're only ten? Like if you need, uh, like if you need to, you won't defend. Must have confused you with him and his friend. But when you blow your gasket, shit gets drastic. You're not elastic. Snap like a matchstick, and you'll slap pricks. Yeah, hypers and Irish man on St. Patrick's. It's just, it's just fun to me. Like stuff like that. Um, the journey is a very uh lengthy um, just back and forth between Akala and Mike Righteous. Um, and it goes, it, it just goes through so well. Um, I love the instrumentation on this one. Um, it's very, um, it's very somber, I think, uh, thinking about that. Um, uh, and then, uh, Mike Wright just goes into his own verse and the car has his own verse and then back and forth again. It's just, it's just a wonderful track and wonderfully constructed and they both just go simply off on that particular track um i love the i love the back and forth nature of it it's very uh it's very essence of hip-hop as uh, as i like to be sometimes um but yeah the album's the album's just um you know solid listen it's not uh the crazy um uh it's not the crazy concept album like double think uh it doesn't have i think uh that one track for me personally where i'm just like shit bro fuck maybe maybe the murder maybe the murder one but uh uh, uh, but yeah, it's a, it, 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 it's just more a color and I can't complain. So <laughs> take it as that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he said, uh, he did an interview with Amuru Don, who he always does an interview with prior to an album. And he says, anyone who gets obsessed with a goal can forget you need balance in your life. Uh, time to relax is not a song. It's more like a note to self. And it's exactly that. It's more like just a reminder to me. You need to not give yourself a heart attack. You must sleep and you must relax some days. And I think that's a perfect description of this album in general because yeah. he told Buzz right before the album came out he wanted to have fun. And he said, yeah. uh, I was feeling very Wu-Tang and I felt like rapping over some boom bap. I thought about the hip-hop yeah. that I grew up on 
and what made me love hip hop in the first place. Most of my stuff so far has been very experimental. I really wanted this to just be break your neck beats and raps. And I feel this is a bit of a conceptual step back. To start your album with Mr. Fire in the Booth is a point to the direction of the record. Um, I mean, some of these titles are wild, like Urge to Kill, Murder Runs oh, yeah. the Globe, <laughs> Sun Tzu, Sovereign up. Master, Freedom, Riddle of Life, Dark Corners. It's hardly something you can put on in the car for a long drive and just vibe to unless your idea of vibing is a deep philosophical discussion. (laughs) Like, I think... um, I think... I think it's much of the same in that regard. And I'm curious when I get to the end of this, Charlie, how you feel about... uh, If I were to say... And I'll, I'll speak on this, but I'd be interested to know how you feel about this. If I were to say Kyle's content has progressed with regards to the depth and under, of understanding he has about his subject matter but he still feels the same irritation and frustration at the way of the world and i can complain about the world forever you know i will happily do that and rarely has an artist discography spoken to me and to yeah. where my heart lies as much as a car is and i've never experienced prejudice based on gender race sexual orientation i'm fucking middle class as well so i've i've been poor but my family was never poor so even i'm fucking pissed at this world and the leaders and the people who elect the leaders and the self-centered disengaged individualism everyone seems fucking hell-bent on pursuing i think it's disgusting and i think the inequality people get burdened with simply because of where they're born or what genetic makeup they have or who their parents are is just it's just stupid. It's not rational. It's, it's idiotic. And to think that your journey is already overwhelmingly preordained before you can exert any kind of control whatsoever over your life just boggles my mind. Absolutely boggles my mind. I don't believe we would actually be giving up anything at all if we came together to eradicate, eradicate inequality in most of its forms. I actually think we'd be gaining a lot. And we mm. get a lot closer to that elusive meaning of life that we all whinge about to our therapists and Akala doesn't just touch on these points. He hammers them down your throat on every fucking song. And I'm here for it. I'm always here for it. Always. And he's a philosopher and he challenges accepted structures and norms with every single song he puts out and every book he writes. And I'll just read this final excerpt of uh, Natives. Obviously, I accept that I probably have a very large platform. Whether I like that or not, that's a fact. But also, I don't really want to be put on any unrealistic sort of pedestal. I think pedestals can be dangerous. I still am who I am, and I come from what I come from, and I'm flawed and have problems, and I'll make mistakes and all of that. Obviously, I'm cool with all of that. But yeah, no, I think I think it is interesting the way Britain has changed. So I will ask it a little more succinctly. Do you think, Charlie, that Akali gives us enough outside of his core content structure to keep people who maybe aren't filled with that urge to kill interested? Like, do you think it's enough? Uh, I, in terms of just, uh, I think when I when I saw him live, I didn't feel that I was being hammered. Mm. Uh, I th- I think he did pretty well on that front, uh, balancing that. Um, even like uh, I forgot what tra- I, f- I forgot what album it's on, but the uh, resist, resist, resistance. Like, just um, uh, he he goes he, even with that track. I remember hearing that live, 
Um, and it was just a, it might have been a little happen if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, even with that kind of track, it comes across like you can bounce to that. And I remember doing so. Um, I think adding on to the question you asked, I feel like going completely the other way, I kind of switch it. I kind of switch that mirror back to people that don't listen or are not aware. Um, I always feel like there should be some sort of ice of this nature in your diet. It doesn't have to be a color, but I feel like it's always good to have some one of this nature in your in your musical diet. Um, you know, there are plenty plenty of big names you can you know throw out there. You know, Public Enemy, for example, since I've already mentioned them before. Like that's a, that's a very like there's there's plenty of guys I know uh, that were really just awoken awaken at that time. Like there's there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of um, you know at, at this point, sorry guys, middle aged white guys I know right that uh, you know that live and swear by anything public enemy and anything of that nature right um, and listen to that kind of stuff and it's cool. And you know, I, I don't, I don't, um, you know, I've had conversations with them, but it's not like you know too deep. Um, where I feel, you know, they seem pretty well level-headed and pretty aware of, you know, the sh- the shit that comes out. Uh, one of them regularly uh, screenshots like the top five stories on BBC News, and it's always some dumb shit, right? <laughs> or or one's bigger than the other, and it's just like, how does that work? So you know, they always ask those questions, and uh, I feel like you know, there's always artists like a carl of this uh that you know beat this shit down your throat um i can't wait till we do low-key now because <laughs> you, know, you if you if you think uh if you think carl is on this level boy low-key's on on a on maybe not on another level but definitely on the same level um so you know that's uh, definitely for the future but um uh yeah it, it's just yeah i i feel like everyone needs this kind of person in their life uh artistically it doesn't even have to be music by the way um, but just that kind of different way of, uh, going about things, um, obviously being independent for one is a lot, uh, already, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot for most people, you know, the fact that, you, oh, I, I've got an independent label and I'm recording it, um, and I'm dropping it on my own independent label. That's enough for some people, um, to, you know, be interested into what they're doing, the fact that they do that. But obviously, a car takes it uh, plenty of steps further with you know all the philosophy elements that, you, that you've mentioned over the episode. Um, so, yeah, I feel I feel I, f- I I feel genuinely that if you you can you can get other things out of it, uh, you get other things out of a Carla's music than just you know something d- bashing George Orwell down your throat. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I answer your question. I, I, th- I think yes, personally. But um, but, uh, but honestly, you know, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be too bereaved if it if it wasn't, or, or yeah. too bothered if there wasn't. Yeah. Um, because you know, like I said at the start, like the music, honestly, is probably secondary to me. I listen to what he talks about most mm. of the time. Mm. I'm watching his TED talks. I'm watching his uh, Oxford Brooks video on his on, on African history. I'm reading natives. Mm. Like, I'm I'm doing that. I've done that. I've done more the more of those than listen to his music. I think, um, pound for pound. So, you know, uh, and I'm, that's just me. Um, I'm probably 
uh, an outlier on that front. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's it, and it's not just it's not the fact it's the fact that he doesn't just rap. I think is also a really good thing about it. The fact that he's gone into author, or, you know, being an author now, and has got and has uh, really put his foot into that. Uh, on top of the lectures that he's done so far um over the years like it's 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 well rounded it's not it, it doesn't have to be the rapping it's a great place for it um it's a very great place for it it's probably one of the best places for it um because sometimes lectures go over people's heads a lot or, or they just get boring for some people um but this has a beat over it so that could be something um so yeah um i've asked a question probably then some but yeah so I, I love the guy, man. <laughs> it's just so great. Oh, yeah. shout to his shout to his visions EP, by the way. I've got I've also got that on the graphic novel. Um, that's crazy as well. But obviously, we don't mention that kind of stuff uh, uh, regularly. But yeah, um, that, that's a good that's a good listen as well. Um, just um, conceptually, I guess uh, it's, it's very short, but the the graphic novel along with it is just outstanding. I mean, shout out to Carla. The fire in the booth. If you guys have never listened to that, fucking hell, man. Yeah, Jesus. you got forty minutes. Go go! If you got a spare forty minutes, just dive in, bro. All four, just dive in. Outstanding. Every single one, just like just I don't know, just I don't know how somehow I just I I find it weird how how people can do that and they just come through with completely different flows, completely different content, like nothing recycled. It's just uh, it doesn't make sense how he does it. Like it's absurd. Yeah, super skill. Absurd. Shout out, shout out to Carla. All right, we'll finish there. I'm very surprised we uh, made it under 90 minutes. So I thought we would go right over that, um, but mm. we made it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. Uh, do you have a lighter note at all? You know what's been interesting this week is seeing people interact. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> we, are, we are cutting that shit. We are cutting that shit. Man. No, please no, don't. No, we have to because it's mad disrespect. She's mad disrespectful. She's awful. I can't be laughing at that shit. It's just horrendous. The things that she says. Oh gosh, Tila's a kid. Please don't make me. Ugh. Well, I'm going on record and saying I do not support anything that Tila Tequila says. And fucking hell, man. Of course we like, don't. That's why it's bro. funny because we can get past all the. Obviously, this is horrible shit. I mean, <laughs> Yes. She went off the, the <laughs> went off the rails. Went off the rails. Went off the rails. Um, no, I was just going to mention uh, Faces by Mac Miller. It's been really, oh, yes, really interesting. This whole thing. Um, I do know that the project doesn't have as many samples as the OG project. I know that they couldn't get some of the samples cleared, and I know that some are missing. But I do really respect the way that the labels handled this, rather than just like putting together some cash grab fucking, you know, posthumous album that we've seen happen a million times. Uh, I think, well, I mean, it's still, they're still hoping to make money off it, you know, but I think that they're at least in that, in that, that specter and in that spectrum of making money, they've given us something, the fans, they've given us something, they've given us faces on streaming services. I've got the vinyl now and I'm stoked, man. It's really great to introduce it to people who have never heard that album before, that that project before. Actually, I was talking to my friend yesterday. She's a school teacher, and she wanted she she teaches like I think the year eight students she's got at the moment, so probably around fourteen, fifteen. And she asked for really emotional songs that were you know 
appropriate to play for kids that age. And I gave her Remember by Mac Miller and she played it for them. And she said that the response was incredible. Like they love that song. And I said, well, Faces is, you can't play it for people that age because it's fucking not appropriate at all. But that's the kind of emotion that we get with Faces. It's just someone completely in the struggle and in the darkness and in the just the throes of mental health and, you know, drug addiction. And ah, it's it's become one of the most important projects to me of my entire, one of the most important things in my entire life to actually have a physical copy of it that I can like have with me now. So I really do appreciate the way it's been handled. Um, and I, I don't think you can do it for every artist. Obviously you can't do it for artists who don't have mixtapes. You can't do it for, couldn't have done it for... Uh, Tori's Big, for example, there's no mixtape that you could have re-released rather than the bigger duets. But the bigger I think, duets, the bigger duets. But I think I um, do it every time. <laughs> I know you have to. It's it's as you said with hot in here, hot in her. It's there's law. Law is governing So yeah, I just want to say if you've never listened to Faces, now it's now is a perfect time, man. It's on it's on Spotify. Just go and pop in, and that shit is a journey. That is a journey. Not often will I say, because I think music is insanely subjective, uh, but not often will I say that an album, I think you like it, regardless of your, you know, your your taste and your value system. I just think everyone's going to like that record. So I thought it was an interesting way for them to handle a posthumous release. And I think, I don't remember an art, a, a, a posthumous album ever being like that. I don't remember, I can't remember any time that that's happened before posthumously where they've re-released a free mixtape in that way um might be unique in that sense so yeah shout out to to the the estate for doing that yeah man um i don't know if uh, i don't know if i i don't i don't remember if i listened to it for our mac episode um but i don't think we did i don't think we did faces on our did we not i don't think we did because we yeah, did probably so, just did yeah, albums might, well there you go i might uh, might give me a reason to give it a peep so um yeah man shout out to shout out to mac uh, of course on the front um and yeah uh, th- obviously that book's coming as well uh, book of mac so uh is that sort of yeah that's to gonna well. be really interesting that's um that was actually a really interesting project uh that i don't think got a huge amount of press and interest at the time um but i learned heaps from it and then mm. Obviously now I think it's the perfect time for it to come along and I don't I again I don't feel like that's exploitative or anything. It just feels like I think sometimes it can be very difficult under these circumstances to put out something that is relevant and applicable but also make it not feel exploitative. And I think that's a that's a challenging line to toe. And I think there's always gonna be that small element of, well, you know, you maybe you wouldn't have put this out unless they had passed. But you can't control that, you know, and I do think that that's kind of the thing that people need. I think that's why faces felt good because it, it's good. People need that, whether they make money off it or not, whether you feel it's exploitative or not, the people do need that. What the people did not need was Pop Smoke's posthumous album. They didn't need faith. Yep. They didn't need mm-hmm. Pop Smoke next to Dua Lipa or Pop Smoke next to Kid Cudi. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't need that. Like, we yeah. didn't, you know. So mm-hmm. that's the difference. That's the difference. You know, like yeah, you could say every every day like that's exploitative but the people still need it so it's okay it's i think that's okay um so i'm I'm excited for book of mac really excited for that all right sounds good that's a genuine lighter note and we shall leave it there ladies and gentlemen if 
on the Fifth Element Podcast Network. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you tried to tell the Fifth Element. Oh, that earlier was, uh, that was Maul. That was Maul on the Joe Biden oh. podcast. And it was uh, Joe Biden saying, oh, yeah, I know. I know hip-hop numbers. I know hip-hop numbers. So, okay. I, think I'm, I think I'm tapped gun out. Control, 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 control. I think I might be tapped out. I think, I think I've uh, exhausted my uh, celebrity shout-outs. Oh. As the so did. my apologies to to everyone out there who wait with bated breath every week <laughs> to see who I might play Charlemagne just shamelessly reading my statistics out to Big Crit and not fucking crediting me like reading the tweet verbatim and saying oh I was doing some research and I discovered it's like yeah you went on my fucking Twitter page I did the research Charlemagne I did that research so I might read that uh, next week that happens a lot. Yeah. I've been I've been Ben Carter of hip hop numbers. Yeah, here we go. We hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. Finishing off with the Godfather Whaley next month, uh, next week. Next thing, then wearing other shit next Rolex. Month. Yes, we're re- we're going to be wearing Rolexes, and uh, well, I'm going to well, wear a Rolex in next week. I don't know. Is Wiley giving <laughs> you a Rolex in a club, Charlie? Holy <laughs> shit! Yes. Well played. Good on you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I <mean>, I said. <laughs> Okay, we try to do the same, but until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. Digging in digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is a piece of video games for bonus points. It's a chill breakers for the bits to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points at your breakers will be the full show and it's worth listening. This has been a fifth element podcast network production. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time as we conclude our UK Black History Month series on digging digits.